All right. Welcome, Bill. Uh, thank you so much for joining me in this podcast. How are you doing? Uh, good. Getting fat and getting, uh, um, getting a lot of calories in. So trying to burn calories. How are you, Saman? So yeah, I guess uh, we're all getting fat in the lockdown. Bill, do you know why we're doing this podcast? We're doing this to identify what makes us happy. You know, food makes me happy. That's why I eat. That's why I get fat. Uh, COVID lockdown makes me unhappy. So I'm trying to find my meaning, right? Uh, so what is the meaning of life? Is it food? I don't know. It makes me fat, makes me <laughs> happy. Find <laughs> let's find out. Let's find out. What about you, Salman? Yeah, I'm really interested. The topic is really nice and uh, it's really complicated. So I'm just hoping we can make sense out of this as we go along. I want to give a little bit of background as why this, how this podcast idea came into existence. So I was interviewing Bill for some uh, research of mine and it was just an interview and, and it went so well and we had like such a good philosophical conversation. Now we were like, okay, this is interesting. We should let other people in. And uh, the other reason is uh, I, I used to do a lot of writing about, uh, you know, philosophical outlooks and things like that. But I realized it's not as effective nowadays, writing and stuff. And, uh, you know, we should adopt more, uh, more modern means of communication. So I'm really excited for this podcast, mainly because I'm very notorious for speaking a lot. So I think I'm finally putting that to a good use. All right, Bill, let's get into it. So the topic we are discussing today is like the what's known as the fundamental or the existential philosophy, right? Which questions the existence of life. And uh, it questions all, uh, all aspects of why, that why are we alive? Is there a purpose? What's the point? So the fundamental uh, idea of existentialism, right? So we'll get into a lot of uh, philosophical idea of other philosophers, but I want like a very, a very, I would say naive view from some like completely not intact with literature, what's already done, like a normal person living day-to-day -day life. Uh, first off, would you say that people suffer from this question, like normal people doing their day-to-day -day jobs, normal life, not too depressing, not too happy. Do you think they suffer from this question time to time that, oh, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of my existence? Thanks, Salman. I think definitely people ask this question for sure. And I think, I think everyone asks the question. I think it's just there are some people who are easily satisfied with the answer than others. You know, some people have different standards and people have different strictness. And I think similar to this question, <laughs> there are some people who say, what's the meaning of life? Meaning of life? To bring food on the table, to make other people happy. Wow, that sounds good. I'll stop it there. That sounds good enough, right? Right? But there are some people like me who are like, that's it, you know, bring food on the table. So I should be a pizza delivery guy, you know, like that's the meaning of life. <laughs> and whenever I see a pizza delivery person, I'm like, that person's living the meaning of life. What am I doing here in my corporate job? I'm not living my meaning life, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but it satisfies I'm people, really it doesn't satisfy you brought that point. Usually when I have this conversation and I go like, do you think everybody questions it? So it's, it's like a bully. And some people say, yes, everybody questions it. Some people say, no, everybody does not question it. And that was something I've always been confused in. But I really like how you're like, people all question it, but at different levels. 
this actually reminds me of uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of need, right? Yeah. So like at mm. the bottom level, it's the psychological and the safety. You need food, shelter. And the, like my theory mm-hmm. is that uh, the, the last part of the hierarchical need is self-realization or self-actualization. And I mm-hmm. have always thought about that the people who are only checking all the boxes below it, like they have food, they have shelter, they have safety, they have love and belonging, friends, everything is there, respect, society. Only those people who check all the bottom uh, boxes, they are the only ones who would actually question the meaning of life because that's self-actualization is on the top. So like, what do you think? Like, for example, somebody who is not doing well with a job, maybe he's even homeless, like the bottom needs are not fulfilled. Do you think even he would question life? Uh, I think definitely, you know, like if you suffer, in the end, there will be days where you, you know, ruminate and you sit down and you think, what is the meaning of life? Actually, you brought up a very interesting point. Uh, there's this video on YouTube asking tribe people. So people living in the deep forest, they're like hunting down animals. They, they don't have modern technology. I mean, they have access to it. But I think it's just, you know, they want oh, to live country. on with their way of life. Yeah. They like to hunt. They, they don't eat processed food. They don't buy from the fridge. They hunt the food. Okay. And the YouTuber came to this person and asked, you know, what is the meaning of life? And each and every single one of them say, food. Mm-hmm. Right? What is the meaning of life? Food. You know, uh, what makes you happy? To hunt food. You know, what makes you happy? To eat food. I'm like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's so interesting. So, uh, I mean... This is really actually, this has thrown me off completely because just, I think today or just last night, I came across a, like in the same uh, spectrum of existential philosophy, questioning life. Uh, I, I came across a point that I never, ever came across and I've not seen much philosophers discuss it. So I, I don't remember who was this guy, but I think it was on Instagram or something. And there was this guy who was like, uh, if you think about it, the human brain is designed for survival and not for like success. So like the way we have evolved, survival is the most important thing. All of our, uh, of our let's say, needs, the way we think and the way we naturally give importance to the things. It's, it's all based on survival and it's not based on like finding the meaning of life and things like that on, on things that are not survival. So that, that really brings, to the, brings the same uh, question back that, if the human brain as a species, as a creature, we are just a creature of survival, then why do we even question life? Like why is consciousness conscious as, as, a, as a robot or something that is programmed to hunt and survive, to like, like survive by any means? And I think that is an idea found all over nature. We survive by whatever means. That's what all, all creatures, living things, do right no matter what it is even if it's single microorganism cells survival is the idea and the basic i think mm. there are five things uh reproduction and uh i think there, there are three or four things that ensure survival right food shelter reproduction and things that ensure the survival of a species i think those things are what every species values the most so mm. that is the question that why do mm. like this is a different question do all people question life but even if like one person does it it really brings the question why if the needs are there everything is there why do you think people question life 
No, no. Actually, I, I like to add on to a point because you brought up a very interesting point. Mm-hmm. Human beings are built for survival, right? And similarly, if you look at people who are in tribes, they have to survive. They have to hunt. And when you hunt, you run. You hunt for your food. You find food. And when you eat food, it makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, human civilization becomes extremely efficient. That we don't just survive. We don't just thrive. We dominate. <laughs> we can kill every single animal that we can find. <laughs> we can destroy the forest. We can like run down mountains, which mm-hmm. is amazing, right? So we're not just... We're not just I mean, it connects, like, back, it connects back to the fact that uh, we mammals mainly, we are territorial animals. So domination yeah. is the reason that we know that if we don't dominate, they will. So to survive, yes. we have to dominate. And I think for yeah. that was your point. Like That's why we have become so dominated on the earth. The base remains survival. So let, let's figure, let's look at it in two ways, right? At the bottom, um, this is surviving, right? This area is surviving. This area is thriving, right? If you're surviving, I have this perception of your meaning of life is clear. Your meaning of life is to survive, yeah. to hunt for food, to eat food, to provide for your children, right? Once you're in thriving, somehow the definition becomes unclear. You know, we see people like a long time ago to get food, you need to go to hunt down animals. So you have to be fit to get food. Nowadays, you go to the supermarket and you have more meals than any king in France in the past 17th century, you know? So everyone is basically living a luxurious life according to historical standards. Amazingly luxurious. But somehow we're still trying to find this meaning, you know, like, oh, you know, we, we feel lost. I mean, another example, another example is soldiers, mm-hmm. army people. Mm-hmm. Armies, when they are in the field, when they're hunting down, so it's like survival, right? I have to kill my enemies. I'm in the field. People are shooting at me. They feel this adrenaline rush. They feel this excitement. Even though it's like deadly, they feel this excitement. When they go back, and I think you can look at this, when they go back to their countries, that excitement is gone. Mm-hmm. They have to do normal jobs. They have to type on the laptop. There's not much adrenaline. So that is why some of them end up doing drugs to get that adrenaline back up. So they get addicted. They, you know, they become junkies. And it's not just the soldiers. It's also the journalists, the reporters who are with the soldiers. They too... You know, when they're reporting, they experience this adrenaline. Like, am I going to die? Am I not going to die? But I should survive. They go back home from surviving environment to thriving environment. Now it's like, I, I need that back. I need that back. So I think I, I'm just bringing weight to your point of maybe the human brain is more towards survival and not, and not, yeah, not really thriving, you know? Now that you have, you know, uh, you've laid out the spectrum of surviving and thriving. I'm really curious... What, what is that point at which uh, survival ends and thriving starts? And like, because I believe I, I do not have any literature in my mind right now that encourage, that talks about this, but I believe that there are talks about the fact that the way we are surviving right now is more than what we need, right? Like people throw our food every night, some gallons, I don't know how much, like several hundred thousands tons of food is wasted every night. So like, when you, when you say the word survival, it means like, oh, I'm a hunter. I live in a cave. 
I go out, I kill a mammal, I take food, I come back, right? That's survival. So like, if you have to put it in layman's language, survival is playing safe, right? It's playing safe to just survive. It's like the bare minimum. But yeah. when you expand, when you become powerful, do you think at some point it's, it's that you don't need to kill, but it's, it's, it, I don't know how to relate to it. Maybe it's the power has gotten to your head or something, but now the human beings are like, Hey, I, I want to kill you for creating a jacket. I'll do that. So, so, so something like that. Where, where's the line of where survival ends and thriving begins and is the entire thriving area. Is it, you know, uh, let's say excess or not needed. Like we, we need survival only. So is that thriving part where we become dominant, where we, we have excess food for days and for years, you think that that part is like wrong because, you know, that's not what we're supposed to do. Okay. That's an interesting question. I think it depends on the abundance. Let's say, for example, right now, right? If, if you give me a glass of water, I'd be like, yeah, this is a glass of water. You know, like if, if I come to your house, if I come to the core and you give me a glass of water, I'm like, wow, Salman, you're so cheap. You know, can't you give me a Coke 100 plus or yeah. Coke or something, right? No. But, <laughs> oh, Milo. <laughs> right? okay. But, you know, you know, so, you, know um, you, you have, uh, you know, Dr. Strange teleportation device. You bring someone from, you know, a concentration camp. Okay. And you're like, you give water, right? And you're like, oh, yes, water, right? <laughs> so obviously, there's a, there's a difference between me and the other person. And the other person is like, um, I, I, I'm surviving, uh, but also I, 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 when, when I get something that I want, I become extremely happy. Mm-hmm. I think if you talk about transition between surviving and thriving, I think it's maybe to the point where the thing that makes you happy at the beginning becomes you know like yeah you know you, you have that luxury like you, you have so much resources works, right basically do, basically how dopamine works right like I, yeah. if i'm not mistaken the biological idea of dopamine effect is that uh, if you want something you see something or you know you experience it by other smells it's it's some food so it's cooking you smell it so dopamine spikes up like that's the highest level but the whole idea of dopamine is the want that I wanted. But the second you actually eat it, the dopamine starts going down, right? So, you know, that's how I understand how dopamine works biologically. And if I'm not mistaken. So the idea is that dopamine is something. And I think there were studies that were talking about how, um, I think this is well established within the biological world that these, these chemicals, the way the human brain is designed of why we, we you know, like things why we like things as, as you know we're using it as very loosely as very vaguely like why are we you know dopamine effect exists for food or let's say why you know pleasure i think it's also dopamine exists for let's say sexual activities so the the idea is that these are all things food and uh, even you know reproduction these are all activities that the brain understands are key for survival and that is why it rewards you for that yeah. So now your point is like, okay, when, when there is abundance, like uh, you're, you know, there's f- food by, you know, you can just order and you can get anything sitting at your home. And, you know, you maybe you walk to a club and there are, you know, girls everywhere and stuff. So like <laughs> the survival thing, 
what you had to look for and then the dopamine effect comes in it's like it's in abundance so at that point the, the, the where, where does the survival like end like it, it comes back to the purpose of life thing right so if if the dopamine thing is not working anymore because i i i can essentially get anything i want whenever i want right so that means yeah. that my brain is not working the same way like you mentioned the example of somebody who does not have water so my brain is essentially yeah. not working the same way so do you think that abundance of you know now okay i don't have to do anything oh there was a very interesting uh, there was a very interesting concept of uh, this is a very old concept that has existed in several uh, several different forms like till i think even dating back to the medieval period the idea was that uh, the human civilization the peak of any civilization is when we have we stop working for survival so even right now in some form we are working for survival right like we do jobs but even though it's easily more way more easily accessible let's just say you can argue that maybe you don't have to physically you know mine coal or stuff but you know maybe there's enough mental pressure that you're you know doing spreadsheets and stuff still you're working for survival yeah. right you're working for to earn survival so the idea of like I, i don't know what it's called i think it's called galactic or epigalactic kind of civilization like that's the peak civilization that has renewable energy and robots and everything so nobody has to work for food robots are doing all the tasks everything is managed automatically so you don't have to work for food and the original idea is that leaves human beings to discover art like you know uh, paintings and stuff because they don't have to work for survival so like that that is my my understanding because you mentioned the point of abundance so that's what i'm trying to wrap my head around like when we face abundance of uh, our substances then is that the point where life becomes purposeless and does that mean that the purpose of life is merely survival i mean i don't have the answer but i mean looking at it if you i have two people right mm-hmm. <laughs> and i have a normal corporate office person right mm-hmm. and i have um i have you know uh, a tribal person tribal is a way of life to get food to get food mm-hmm. the office person will will say something different you know like to get food what i, I can i can get food anytime but no so but the answers will be work. different but he still has to work for food no but he still Yeah, you're right. He he still has to work for food, but it's like the cost of getting food is so cheap. If in the end I don't have to buy food, I'll just, you know, I'll just sit down on the side of the road and it's it's like people and that people have so so much different standards, you know? It's like like food is food is so abundant. Uh, you know, of course, you know, like I, when I was in university student, of course, you know, I know like, oh, okay, like, um, you know, there's allowance. So what do I have to do? I just have to make sure that I'm in the game. I'm in the university game and the allowance will come. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is there, is there, I mean, another, another question, but this is. We made the very wrong premise here that. what we understood was that there was a time when human beings were dying for survival but now like everything is you know it's 
survival is not a problem and we are thriving so we yeah. had the idea that you know we don't have to survive anymore i think that's the premise we had of the conversation but now mm-hmm. the more i think of it we we just evolved into more uh, more i would say contemporary form of survival it's a, it's you know it's the same thing over and over again you, you know you know actually there's a book uh, called Predict- predictably irrational by someone called dan areli he is in uh, something psychological economist like some something psychology something economist mm-hmm. he's a very interesting story what happened was when he was young he got burned so if you look at his photos half his body is burned okay. so half his body was like numb and uh, he has to he has like a disease afterwards and has to, he has to get treated and there's this new medicine that was just developed that give him a slim chance of survival but whenever he takes the medicine it gives him extreme pain so he explores what are the different ways to make the pain more tolerable and you know like he you know very interesting guy very interesting profile and one of the things that he talks about is this experiment where there is like a, an aquarium right an aquarium or a cage mm-hmm. it's an experiment for animals so what happened was they put different animals in the cage and they put put the animals food but in order to get the food they have to like go through this complex there's a there's a some work that they have to do. they have to move some stuff so there there's some effort right and they did this for two groups they put it for animals with the challenge on top of the food and animals without the challenge Mm-hmm. and they found out with some sort of tests that the animals that you know most animals most animals actually all the animals prefer to have the challenge on top of the food okay okay they prefer the challenge they they prefer to hunt and then get the food they don't just get, like how, to receive it what do you mean by prefer like I think I, I, not, because I read this book like, I think four years ago mm-hmm. some sort of dopamine or something right yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure I how they measured it I have an idea about this yeah I think yeah. I've but, but they, they prefer the shots only two animals only two animals do not prefer the challenge they like it straight away mm-hmm. human beings okay and cats oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so like oh wow that's so interesting so something about it is i don't know maybe i should read more into it maybe i should read it back but that's did, very interesting I did, actually, uh, i did actually read similar experiment they did on rats and it was very weird it was bizarre i would say so it was this i think not similar it was just about rats so this is like a cross species and i honestly don't have much grasp about why there is this pattern difference between species but uh, there there was study on rats about dopamine so what they did was like there was a cage and there was a lever and the rat had to press the lever and he would get food right so he did that and you know he would get food and stuff but now what they did was animal cruelty alert but they put in like uh, like pressure plates on which if the rat steps it will get electric shocks right and what they notice is that because you know the rat has two choices either he will uh, you know sit there and you know die starve because he knows if he crosses that uh, path he will get crunched 
So, you know, in most cases, the rat just sits there and starves to death. But the rats who were dosed with the dopamine, you know, like imbalance, like they were given some sort of injection that really increases their dopamine level. So now the, the desire of want is so much that they are ready to bear pain for the wanting. You know, now they desire mm. food, but to the extent that they are ready to, you know, walk electric shock and, you know, to the high, really high voltage. But he, the, the rat with the dopamine, he goes and he walks that path, even he faces electric runs, but he presses the lever and gets the food. So, you know, it's, it, it comes back to the wanting uh, that I have to survive. Uh, so I need this. The, the want becomes a need. It, it comes all to that. And I think this actually connects back to the point that you mentioned about soldiers. Um, when they come back, they, they feel very weird and they, you know, they, they, they don't have the dopamine effect that they had earlier. So that makes me question, like, do you think that's because uh, when, when that dopamine thing is gone, when you don't have to fight for food, when you don't have to fight for survival, you can just sit here, you can just think about it and you have everything you want, right? Like the problem we faced earlier was that even in the modern world, you have to work, right? So that was the problem that we faced earlier with the premise. But now let's assume like you don't have to work at all, right? It's like unlimited food, unlimited, you know, whatever form of pleasure you can think about. So there is no essentially dopamine ever happening. So if you're related to the soldiers wanting dopamine, which is essentially wanting to chase something, wanting the thrill in life. Do you think like that's the, that's what's happening that when that dopamine thing is not there, when there is no thrill to life and there is no challenge to life, then we become purposeless. And that is the point where we start questioning existence. Because like you mentioned, the people in tribe, they think, okay, we know the purpose, it's food. But now the food is there, everything is already there. There is no challenge in life. Do you think that is the point where we start questioning that what is the purpose of life? Yeah, I think, I think so. It's like when you have everything already, when you get, you know, you snap your fingers, you know, if you're Thanos, you snap your fingers, you get what you want, right? Then what does Thanos do? Thanos is like, okay, what's the purpose of life? I'm going to go farm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, is there a way? I mean, th there's two ways to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. For me, there's the... I'm not sure if it, this is considered dystopian, but have you watched Wall E? I think long ago. I don't remember properly. But oh, I know oh, the right. Okay, so the premise of Wall E is humans have become so advanced, mm -hmm. right? They live in space... And they just sit in their chairs. They don't have to move. Oh, they want food, they'll get food. Yeah. Metaverse. In order to talk to... <laughs> metaverse, right? Okay. In order to get food, the food will... More than metaverse, right? The food will come yeah. to you. Yeah. And, and like, uh, and they, I mean, in they, they, they seem happy, to be honest. I mean, they're fat, but they're happy, right? Uh, but, but then I have a further question down the line. That means that if you're happy all the time, Mm -hmm. can you be can you sustain that happiness because sometimes you need sadness to contrast you know yeah. like, you know even cameras need um photographers will know what i mean you know even cameras need a white balance to compare how white a white is you know um i strongly agree with that actually you know we in philosophy we have something called uh, the theory of two extremes which says that our measures of something can only exist 
if there is something to compare it to. Like beauty only exists because there are things that are not beautiful. So if everything is beautiful, then beauty does not exist itself. So yeah, contrast agree. is what makes things have some sort of measurement. I agree. I agree. I fully agree with that. I fully agree. Uh, so um, similar to, you know, I just posted about uh, the latest BMW. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen how ugly it is, you know, so, uh, you know, like, <laughs> feel free to vote. Okay. Um, yeah, talking about the BMW M4, I don't like it. Is, is, Anyways. Is beauty subjective or not? That's that's a topic for another <laughs> It is subjective, okay. All right. uh, okay. But, but we can talk about it some other time. Okay. Another one is, um, another one is like this, right? If the purpose of life is to feel good. But you, you feel this optimism. So like you when you're born, you're not born as a you know bag full of water, right? You're born with a brain that has programmed something inside you. You know, like you you like I don't know how to explain this, but I was looking at my niece, right? And I'm like, okay, that's a new human being. It's a weird way to say niece, right? But that's a new human being. But there are some like why does she why doesn't she act like a cat? You know, when my cat was born, she doesn't act like that. So there's some human programs, if you think about it, right, installed in her brain, right? So she's not an empty slate. And the human programs for thousands of years is programmed to always be motivated to what the human body wants. If you hunt food, you get dopamine. If you eat food, you get dopamine, you know. Yeah. basically dopamine, right? If you have sex, you have dopamine. Mm-hmm. So, right now, you don't need to do that. We have something called drugs, right? You take drugs, okay. you'll get the dopamine. Mm-hmm. So, another conversation that we can have is, is it wrong to get drugs? Well, the reason they take drugs and the reason you live yeah. is basically the same thing. Yeah. So I see, like you know, uh, I think Socrates, Socrates, or if Socrates, I think he had this idea, which he later discarded because it's 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 very weird that you you simplify things to the extent, you know, to, to their fundamental idea. I think that's what gave birth to the Greek kinetic theory that you know that everything is divisible to the point that you know the undivisible comes the fundamental, which was atom later on. But the idea is everything, even abstract ideas are all, you know, they just come down to the same building blocks. So I see this concept as that, um, that when you talk about these things like food, survival, the idea is that there are chemicals in your brain that need to be released. So you eat food to release those chemicals, you know, you have sex to release those chemicals, whatever you do. And that was what I was referring to earlier, that the brain, these, what are these chemicals basically? It's the brain rewarding you for doing the activities that the brain understands that are essential for your survival. So that's the idea, right? Why do I need to run and hunt to catch a mammal or a woman to get those chemicals when I can just take this pill and get those chemicals? So Yeah, yeah exactly. That was, yeah. How, how do you say that? Yeah. Uh, which one is, um, one is wrong? I mean, I mean, the question was, right? Like, wow. Like, you're like, <laughs> so I'll have my let's let's imagine my brother's over here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brother's like, oh, let's let's uh, let's go on the ATV. Let's go on the ATV. I'm like, why? He's like, oh, to get the adrenaline. 
I'll get my drill in here, you know, like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> what? Okay, on the surface, it looks wrong, okay? Yeah. But I'm like, why, why is it wrong? Okay, you can say uh, he uses it for physical fitness, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so I will use my drill in while I'm running. <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud. But, but, but somehow, the thing is, something in me tells me that doing the drugs, doing adrenaline is wrong. And I don't know what. I'm, I'm not sure if it's bias from the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure. But instinctually, I, I feel that it is wrong. Uh, maybe, again, maybe it's the media or maybe something inside me that tells me you have to work to get what you want. The, the, the working for it factors in. I, I like but we can go and look. I like how you immediately connected it to that point because... Uh, I was I was thinking about how this is going to derail into a conversation about morality and who dictates morality. Like, you know, that that's a whole different topic about the things that you think are right or things that you think are wrong. They are di- dictated by the society and who decides. I think that's a whole different topic. But I like how you immediately connected to the fact that uh, we know that to get these essentially chemicals, you need to work for it. You know, that, that's the idea. But I like to think of this way that the whole premise of human civilization is against this. The whole premise of human civilization is to get survival, survival things, food, etc. by doing minimum work. Like that's the whole premise of advancements and technologies. So like from the doctor's perspective, um, and I think this is why we, we did have in philosophy a brief time period where philosophers heavily criticized science and I mean, there are distinctions where, like, where science ends and where technology starts, and like the technolo- technology is the problematic part, and science is not. Like, uh, that's a different conversation. But the the idea remains the same that uh, when when we understand that we we are designed in this way that we need to work to get these chemicals. So if I take those chemicals by pills, I'm not working. So if you think of it in a very let's say scientific way, why is that wrong? Like if you ask a scientist this question, I'm pretty sure his answer would be that if you take drugs, if you get dopamine, like overdose of dopamine or epitamine or all those chemicals that the brain requires uh, from other sources like food, etc., then essentially, you you know, that's, that's how you see drug addicts. They're just sitting in a corner because it's like, you know, it's like an overkill. They have gotten enough dopamine that the human body, that machine who is essentially hunting for fuel. And that's, you know, the entire movement. That machine has all the fuel already. So it does not feel like moving. It it, it has no motivation to move. So I think that that is why from a very scientific perspective, getting the shortcut would be, you know, problematic because essentially it's like, it's like you start a game and you enter the cheat code to get all things 100%. You know, you, you get all the weapons, you finish yeah. all the levels in the one second. So then it's like, okay, what do yeah. I do now? Like, then what is the purpose of life if not the challenge? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that analogy. I like that. Like, yeah, I would play a game, right? And I'll be like, okay, let's use the cheat code. But where's the fun in that, you know? Yeah. You want to start a game from level zero. You want to be level zero first. You don't want to, you know, if you're the boss at the beginning, I'm like, oh, now. It's, it's so boring. It's so boring. And I think part of the answer lies there as well. 
But it's uh, interesting I, how how it's, it's you know from a if you put it on paper, it's it sounds very weird that I want to go from point A to B, but I want the journey. I don't want to be at point B. Like it's like. It's like it's almost like the end goal is not the end goal. It's the journey that is the goal, as for human civilization. Yeah. You. Yeah. Like when you play a game, uh, you know, becoming the boss is not the final goal, even though technically that is literally the final goal. But you're playing it not for that. You're playing it for, uh, for the experience, for the fun. So the the reason I find it very you know bizarre on paper is because. It it it's it's what you call a word play. It contradicts like the journey can only exist if there is a final destination. You know that's how, why a journey uh, exists. But at the same uh, time, you cannot discard and because of why because of that you cannot discard the final destination. The reaching level hundred is the goal. But at the same time, to to just express it, you have to say reaching level hundred is not the goal. The goal is the effort that is done in reaching level hundred. I think it's 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 a very weird loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I like that you bring it up because you know, um, um I play a game called you know Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's for Nintendo Switch. And I remember playing it. It's so fun, you know. It's an open world game. So you go around, you get weapons, and you kill enemies, right? And I remember the feeling when I went to the final castle, right? And I want to defeat the big boss. I'm like, oh wow, this this is it, this is it, this is the final one, safe. Okay, screw record everything. Okay, get ready, get ready. And then I I defeated the boss, right? And I'm like, wait, so what's next, right? What's next? Wait, wait, give me more. Give me, like like you you built up so much until that point, and that when you reach that point, so I agree with your point. It's like, it's the journey, it's the destination, but it's not destination. Is the journey. Looking at it from a practical perspective, when we're at work, right, we always think about you know I wish this project gets done. I wish this project gets done. But you know, a lot of times when I get my task done, I don't get this satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Like oh oh that's it that's it. I'm not sure. Like if if I think about if I think about mm, the times at work when I'm happy. I think it's the it's when it's when we celebrate, like when we sit down together and say, "Okay, well done to you, well done to you." Uh, it's when we talk about how the project will be, you know, like, "Okay, this will be exciting project." Uh, you know, j- just talking about the excitements. The excitement rarely lies in not doing anything. If at work I don't do anything at all, it's not exciting. It, but if there's too much to do. Again, I'm making this, you know, I'm making this topic very practical. If there's too much to do, then sometimes it can get depressing, right? Sometimes it can get depressing. So I'm like, where is the line? So no work at all, no excitement. Work, some excitement. Too much work, depression. Work complete, mm-hmm. nothing. So it's like. I don't know. It's, it's just so interesting. I, I, know, like, I really want to, I, from a very, from a very practical perspective, I want to because the first idea that you said, no work at all. It's not excitement. I want to know, like, is that true? Is, because it's like, it's like, uh, you you know, procrastination. Why does it exist? Like you're running away from work, right? And 
like you can argue that there is a saturation point of procrastination. Like you're you're lying in your bed playing video games, but there will come a time where you'll be like, I don't want to do this anymore, right? Like first off, do you agree with this idea? Is 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 this? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the modern idea, and this is like the more I think about this, is really dangerous because the modern idea is to you know keep the consumer intact as much as you can. So like you know you end a game and they release part two, you end another game and they release part three. And you know, oh, you're you know PlayStation One, PlayStation Two. And, oh, now there's 3D. Now there's kinetic. So the idea is to overwhelm the person so much that you know he does not run out of let's just say pleasure. So and I I'm using I'm using the word because you mentioned no work, but as 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 antonym to work, right? Work no work. That was your analogy. But I want to see right. more like work and enjoyment. You know, like the Hellenistic philosophy of. Um, punishment and pleasure right pain and pleasure so the hellenistic philosophy i think epicurus uh, when he talked about the meaning of life he was like the idea is uh, i mean it was formed a little bit later but he was the founder of that school but the idea was that minimize pain and maximize pleasure like that is the idea right so essentially why procrastination why no work is because that that is pleasure and working is pain so like that idea you run away from pain and you run towards pleasure and the modern idea is to maximize that pleasure but the premise that we're trying to build towards is that there there will there come a time where this this pleasure reaches a saturation point where you want to go back to work like if you could play legend of zelda was the game right it was legend of yeah, zelda yeah, yeah. Right? if you could play if you, if if you had infinite levels of legend of zelda will there come a point and all of them are you know in increasing level of excitement and difficulty do you still think there will come a point where you will be like okay that's it you know i'm not done but i'm bored i think um i mean there's a lot there there's a lot there that you mentioned there are games where i don't enjoy it i i like games where um there's an there's an end point Actually, I think the, the the thing that you talk about, right? It's like um, I think it correlates to, you know, organ it to correlates to how psychology influences our biology and influences our philosophy. You know, meaning of life, right? I mean, we can end this conversation really quickly. Our meaning of life. Um, let's just have sex with as many people as we want, make as many babies, and, you know, we increase our genetic pool in the world, and then we die. Similar to Genkis Khan, you know? In that case, Genkis Khan, wow, well done. You're the most successful man in the history, <laughs> right? He, he, okay. he, I think he I, had I sex with three women and a day or something. Right? No, you know why him, is it? No, uh, that's, that's the thing, right? That's why I mentioned Hellenistic philosophy that says maximize pleasure and minimize pain. Exactly. He's he's maximizing pleasure at the same time spreading his genealogy. Mm-hmm. Successful, but is it more okay? That's a different, you know. That's a different <laughs> topic, right? Humanity is a different episode. <laughs> different topic, uh, but, but it's like, you know, okay. To put put it in practical terms, right? We we find meaning in our work, but we always forget about that. And and why is that so? 
You remember when there's school holidays? I, I'm not sure if you had long school holidays, but in Brunei, we have really, really long school holidays. Summer, and I, I'll just... you get it? Uh, uh, December. This, oh, like around this time. Oh, we get it in yeah. summer. We have two months of summer vacation. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay. During those days, mm-hmm. you just... What do you do? do? Do you lie in bed all day and play video games? Should I answer what a normal 16-year-old should? Or should I answer what I used to do? What did you used to do? What, you, you, you. Yeah, I, I, I was writing books, bro. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Good, 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 good. So you find something to do. Yeah, yeah. You find something to do. You don't, like, you can't just lie down and not do anything. You have to find something to do. Because, you know, something about it is something about just laying down and being unproductive is, you know, you, you have to fight the fight. You have to find the fight. When you, say, However, when you say laying down, you mean completely ideally. You know, doing like, completely like, nothing. Like, yeah. You know, on bed, on the couch, you know, like on the phone, like, no, you, no, you know, you know. How- that is the difference, right? Like laying down is doing nothing. That is zero. But being on the phone, that's doing something. And the idea is that whatever you're doing on the phone, whether you're chatting, whether you're scrolling, whether you're playing a video game, that is pleasure. So you're avoiding work for pleasure. So like procrastination comes from the idea that it is pleasureful because, you know, you're relaxing, you, you know, you're playing games or whatever you're doing. So I think the, 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 the idea of literally doing nothing is already out of the equation. That just, um, there was actually a study, it's a bit of a deroute, but there was actually a study about what the effect of boringness is. And I, I, I think you know about this. Uh, Michael Stevens from Vsauce did this. And he, he, oh, okay. Yeah. I think I forgot what's the name of his YouTube red, uh, YouTube uh, premium something. He did, uh, brain something. I forgot the name, but he did the study and, you know, it's, it's a profound study, but he repeated that experiment. And the idea was a man was left in a room completely empty, completely empty, right? Literally nothing in that room except one button. But when you press that button, it gives you an electric shock, right? So it was, it was comparing how, like, what is the limit of boringness? So it was that, that after, I think, I don't know, some days, the man would willingly press that button and get an electric shock. He was, because that was like more simulating to the brain than literally doing nothing. So I think like that zero work is already out of the equation. What we are left with is pain and pleasure. So work is pain. And, and pleasure is, you know, playing video games or you can say unproductive, you know, the, the coach in you would say that's unproductive. So the, the question that we are, you know, back at is like, we know that we need to work. And I don't know, we can't consider for survival or if you don't want to consider for survival, you know, so just to stay on track. But we know that we have to work, but we don't like to work. We like to be at pleasure. So what I'm, what I'm interested in is, that do these both things have points of saturation? Like we know that at a certain point of work, you are burnt out and you need a break. You know, you're working eight hours and the ninth hour you're like, I need a break. So you go out and play video games. But generally what I have noticed is that, you know, I don't know, you know, <laughs> you, you might have noted, noticed this. Usually there's news or something that there's, there's some streamer or some gamer and he's, you know, playing for so many hours He's pissing in bottles in the room and stuff. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> because he does not want to wake up. You know, you go to Twitch, you have streams that have been going for, I don't know, 
several hours and weeks and they don't you know they, they do you know all this shit their literal shit in that room <laughs> why why do you think i have this bottle here <laughs> so like that's what i'm interested in like pain and i'm by pain i mean like things that are not as pleasing but it has a point of saturation but does do you think pleasure also has a point of saturation like at some point by you know when you're playing video games you'll be like i'm done with this i think for sure i think for sure uh in economics there's a term called like law of diminishing returns right mm-hmm. the more you do it the more the less pleasurable it is uh like um sorry are you into crypto nowadays <laughs> crypto cryptocurrencies why why do you know economics are out of so nowhere <laughs> <laughs> wait wait i i know some stuff okay i know about economics bro are you interested in bitcoin or something <laughs> uh ether ether no no just kidding okay. i don't know i don't know dosh dosh okay uh, <laughs> but but it's like like okay i'm i'm not sure if you can put it in but masturbation right okay and another way is um uh, drinking coffee drinking coffee may, maybe it brings you pleasure you know maybe smoking but up to a point you know I, i'm not a smoker but maybe up to a point you know the the more you do it you have to double right uh, so similar to let's say hey, that's, um that's, that's very important you have to double right so it's like if you do the same thing again like you were talking about masturbation it's like the same thing same person same hand <laughs> same thing you're doing <laughs> you're doing literally the same thing over and over again right but if you know uh, like let's just say it's a very immoral example but let's say a different girl every time you know that's that's an example to give okay let's let's stay civil a different food every time a different dish every time you eat the same thing again and again it it's not tasty anymore but you eat more different foods it's always you know there's no end to where pleasure will take you Okay that's a good example that's a good example let's let's look at it at one domain which is the same food right at the beginning if you like uh, matcha latte right and you're like oh i'm going to work hard let's say you come from a you know uh, working class background and you're like oh you know like i need to work hard so i can buy the matcha latte when you do the matcha latte what what is the matcha latte <laughs> Okay, let's say let's say coffee bean hazelnut. Uh, <laughs> I spend that latte. Okay, or any drink, any drink. Okay. Uh, let, what what's good in Starbucks? Uh, you know, pineapple. I don't know. There's much. The drink that you want. The drink that you want. Uh, or lao lao yao yao. The ice cream, right? Let's okay. say the ice cream, right? Okay. Okay. At the beginning, wow. I'll buy it after I finish my exam. Okay, I finish my exam. Now I'm gonna buy it. The queue is so long. Okay, that's a challenge. And now I get the ice cream, and I get the first scoop. Wow, is the best yogurt ice cream you got, whatever I've ever had. Wow. Then one day, um, you get news. It's lucky draw. The lucky draw says that wow, you've won a lifetime supply of Yao Yao your entire life, okay. and now every day you eat Yao Yao. Mm. Will you be as happy as the first time? No. Nope. definitely not right so something about the abundance something about the challenge that makes you be like you know so i think is the abundance coming back to abundance coming back to the challenge 
I actually want to discuss the, the this this process of reiteration, redundancy, and you know now I think about it, maybe okay. So the the idea is uh, Albert Camus actually wrote about this. Uh, the I think it's like a very old idea. Uh, it's it's a myth. It's a Greek myth called the myth of Sisyphus, and I think you know the original Greek myth is that there was some demigod kind of guy. He did something, I think, tricked some god or something. And but the gods punished him by you know forcing him to to rock uh, you know roll a rock up a, up a mountain. Now the mountain is infinite, like it, it cannot end. But the guy has to you know keep rolling the roll the ball the rock up the mountain for eternity. Like that's his kind of the punishment, right? And from from a complete philosophical literature review point of view, I am really I don't know why, but you know this this. This idea of reiteration being a punishment—that's seen like across cultures, right? You know, we have—I think the—I think it's the Hadean or some philosophy that talks about the guy who was punished to hold Earth for eternity, and you know, we we have a lot of examples of how something, some person is punished to do the same thing for eternity. You know, I think there's some idea of also the sun being some, you know, some person being assigned to carry the sun. Back and forth for eternity, and all these ideas. Like the point being that redundancy, you know, reiteration of the same thing. And I think it also relates to the boring point. Like you know, it becomes boring, and that is seen as a form of torture in you know philosophical context. And you know, I I, I believe that's fair enough. It makes sense. So the myth of Sisyphus also talks about this of this guy who's punished for eternity to roll this rock up the mountain, and the what Albert Camus does in his book, his um, I forgot the name of the book. I think it's something like Myth of Sisyphus itself. But the idea that Camus presents is that uh, th this is uh, an analogy for life that you have to do. You know, you live the same day every day. You get up, you go, and you know you do things for survival. You come back with what you have earned, or you know it can be money, it can be meat, or you know things that you want for your survival. So, and then you eat it, then, you know, you're fulfilled, but you wake up next day, you're hungry again. So then you go out again. So it can be a guy hunting in the ancient times. It can be a guy working a corporate job. It's, it's all over the same again. So Camus uh, talks about life being, you know, let's just say life being suffering, you know, that, that is the idea. And this is why it gave birth to like, I don't know, Camus came first or Nietzsche came first. I think uh, Nietzsche came first. But Nietzsche talked about this also that um, you know life is suffering because of the redundancy and the reiteration and things like that. So I think Camus kind of built up on that, and I think other scholars like I think Arthur Arthur Schopenhauer also talked about this. The German guy, I think he was before Camus. Like the point being, all these philosophers. I'm getting too <laughs> distracted with the literature. No, 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 no. no. The no, no, point no. is that all these philosophers talk about this idea that, okay, since it's iteration, first they recognize that this is a reiteration, it's redundancy, right? And then they say, because this is reiteration, because this is redundancy, it becomes suffering, right? And it connects back to the original point that they think that this is suffering, you know, that like, if you think about you being punished to roll a rock up the mountain for eternity, you would definitely say that, you know, this is a punishment. So he says, okay, that is basically life. You are forced you know, he can't stop. If he stops, he'll be rolled down with the rock. So you're yeah. forced to live 
and push yourself and push you know the burdens and everything so the retraction is what causes life to be suffering and you know that's why it is meaningless yeah uh, actually someone uh, i you brought up the topic of myth of sisyphus to me and i looked it up and i think you missed out one uh, key thing which is when he pushes the rock he reaches to the top oh yeah and then the rock falls back down yeah yeah and then he should push it back up again yeah. you know and, and that is his, his punishment right and kama says is is sisyphus happy right so the context here is uh, he was he was a king and yeah. uh, he you know he uh fools everybody he's a trickster he's like loki and like ha, 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 right and then he fools all these demigods right he should die but he goes back to life yeah, he, 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 yeah. he cheats he death. cheated everyone yeah he cheated everyone right so like oh he like so he's this mischievous character is like he <laughs> right so his final punishment is for eternity this is a hill okay this big boulder roll it all the way up and then it roll all the way down again he has to push it all the way back up and i think it reflects to again that you said every day we do the same thing every day right so no. what do you think okay what here, here's what i predict how today how, how tomorrow will happen right i will wake up i will brush my teeth i will shave i will shower this this is a certainty uh 99.9999% uh, i will uh wear my clothes Uh, I will go and exercise. Uh, I will try to think of what to do. I'll do them. I'll find I'll find some uh, you know uh, obstacles along the way. I'll go through Instagram. There will be things that I like. There will be things that I'm triggered by, uh, and then I'll talk to some people. Make sure they're happy. Make sure they're okay. Make a poll. I'll go back to sleep. Like what? Make a poll in the story about you know if the car is ugly or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see if people think the BMW M4 is ugly as I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then I'll go back to sleep. I like, how, I like how the assumption here is that BMW will continue to make ugly cars. <laughs> That's another discussion. They have they have proven to <laughs> okay. make Okay. Have you seen the latest SUV? Sorry, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. Have you? No, 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 I haven't. You'll be Ignorance amazed. <laughs> they have made three cars four cars that so far okay. been consistently ugly okay okay you think it'll stop with one or two or three no they made four it's anyways this is all over again <laughs> ugly car <laughs> 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 okay 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 well, okay so i know exactly what happened tomorrow there'll be challenges mm-hmm. and I'll, you know i'll be happy with some stuff i'll be sad on some stuff and the next day i'll repeat and the next day i'll repeat and re- all these will repeat all the way until i die mm-hmm. so what what what's the point of that is similar to sisyphus you know i'll roll back the boulder all the way to the top and then i'll roll back down again i'll start from zero uh in in, in this metaphor mention i just want to mention like i think i missed another key information without which it doesn't really you know it does not come together the idea here and why i think kemu is the one who was really really uh, you know associated with the myth of sisyphus even though other philosophers discussed this is because kemu came up with the solution like on one spectrum we see nietzsche going like you know he looks at myth of sisyphus and he says it's ever ever you know redundant actually i will talk about later on that does redundancy make it suffering you know like because the premise is 
that because this is redundant, hence it is suffering, right? So that is the premise. And Nietzsche talks about how, you know, because it's suffering and, you know, even though there are contradictions within, uh, you know, understand the, within the understanding of how Nietzschean uh, philosophy works. But the, the idea is that, you know, it, it goes very near to nihilistic philosophy, you know, where it's mm. like, because yeah. there, you know, because it's redundant, there is no point, there yeah. is no meaning. And the reason I think the Camus is really, really important here. And, you know, that's, that's the key of the puzzle. And, you know, we cannot really continue the conversation without this very important part that uh, he mentioned. He said, the idea is that one must imagine Sisyphus happy. He's like, okay, why yeah. do you look at a guy doing it again and again? And you assume that he's in suffering. What if he loves that? He's, no, he's playing. He's like, oh, damn, one roll around. What if Sisyphus loves it? And, you know, I think that reflects that, reflects that the only way to make life not suffering is to love what you do, right? So even though it's a reiterative task, but if you love yeah. it, if you love what you do every day, it, you know, you won't feel it's a suffering. I would further prove, I will further push it. I think it's not love. I think it's just enjoying the moment, enjoying the thing. I read up more about it and it's, uh, it's like uh, Kemu is in this field of um, absurdism, right? You think that nihil, I, I just saw this meme <laughs> on, on, uh, on uh, Google Images. Nihilism. So this meme is nihilism says everything is meaningless. Absurdism says everything is meaningless. Full stop. Lol. So it's about like, wait, you look around the world and you see all these things happening. Like a global warming, world leaders fighting. And one way to think about it is like, wow, what, why am I suffering, right? Another way is just to look at both sides and just laugh like, why is this happening? Uh, and I, I think that's, you know, sometimes, to be honest, I adopt this mindset as well. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, <laughs> you know what happens, right? Like, in, uh, in you know, we, we have, uh, there's Toastmasters, there's different organizations, and you know, few, you know some people who are troublemakers. Mm-hmm. They like to, you know, stir up trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes the troublemakers will meet with another troublemaker and they'll cause chaos. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you, there are some people in you know you know you know the people who make trouble, and then you know I notice it's like it's 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 like to me it, it's like it's so entertaining. I would just wake up and look at Instagram and look at an IG story of them complaining about each other, right? And that instead of being upset, instead of being like, why are they fighting? This is so ridiculous, right? Instead of fighting. Mm-hmm. In fact, I choose to take the different route. Instead of being embarrassed, I actually laugh at it. I'm like, wow, this is, this is so funny. This is so funny. It's, it's absurd. It's absurd. Like, it's, I mean, it's not my response. Like, I have no, there's no benefit of me being upset about it. So why not laugh at it? Why not enjoy the ridiculousness of the world, which is what it is? And I think I agree with Camille in this case, is that, Okay, this, this is a quote by Camus. It says, you will never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You will never live if you're looking for the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. I think it's also like, like, oh, you know, that, that, that there makes me happy. That there is something stupid and funny. And I can just laugh like that, you know? It's like, oh, it's ridiculous. So I think it's the, 
and another example that I like to bring up is similar to Sisyphus, he goes back up and down, right? Do you know that the treadmill was actually invented as a torture device? Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny thing, right? I think it's in France or something, right? <laughs> so prisoners were coming, right? And like, you're going to be tortured. And prisoners like, what? <laughs> you're going to run on this treadmill or you're going to walk on this treadmill for how many hours, right? The prisoners like, let me get my protein shake first. <laughs> <laughs> this is like oh no right okay right that's like whatever century right mm-hmm. <laughs> nowadays <laughs> i like if you're if you're a if you're wutun right oh no witnessum i will pay you wutun here's my money i want to go onto a treadmill <laughs> it's like it's like i want to be tortured like so weird right so people pay like imagine imagine all the absurd punishments that have been like you know the deadlift right the way oh oh right imagine if there's a cultural celebration many years ago that says here's your punishment mm-hmm. you're gonna do deadlifts you're gonna do <laughs> bicep curls that's your punishment right <laughs> but now fast forward right please please oh, i want to do the bicep curls i'll pay i'll pay you i'll pay you it's like, yeah. it's like yeah, I'm, i'm really interested that you brought this up because I cannot just formulate the total, you know, the the idea about the Hellenistic the Hellenistic philosophy, which is about you know the balance between pleasure and pain. That what we you know we were discussing earlier also. You know, like you were talking about. Okay, so in earlier days, these things used to be punishments, and now you know we do that. So I think it correlates to the fact that in earlier days, let's say for example, you had to run so much, or you just had to walk. You know, you didn't have cars and stuff. even if you were horse riding it still consumes a lot of muscle right so uh, you know you, your daily life was let's say challengeful enough that like for just one example let's say that your physical body remained in shape now that is not the case right now you live such a luxurious life you know with air cons and you know cars and everything it's so so luxurious that the physical body is not in shape and hence you you know you you force yourself into torture devices and into you know gyms and stuff that you know so you you take up challenge uh willingly right mm. so i just you know i want to connect this yep. to the myth of sisyphus it's like saying that you know sisyphus invents a machine that keeps on rolling the rock right and now he is not pushing it so what he does is like okay machine and then he goes back and does the same weight on a deadlift <laughs> you get it <laughs> So you can the natural life is not giving you that challenge which it was supposed to so now you're inventing an artificial challenge and i think yeah. that's just absurd <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah it's, it's we we find way you, you can watch this on on social media right you can watch this on social media we we want to find things that are you know are entertaining our trouble right remember when 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 trump was president mm-hmm. when trump was the media was just juicing it out okay there there's so much do, do you know how do you know how it's in brunei right everyone in brunei is living like kings right mm-hmm. we have laptops we have inter- i i know you know you can compare it standards to other countries mm-hmm. of course but you know simple you just go to supermarket again the same example you go to the supermarket and you have more choices there 
you can go there every day and buy different things. And by the time you're 100 and on your deathbed, there will be still some items that are on the shelf that you've never touched and you've never seen. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. We're, we're extremely luxurious according to historical standards. Mm-hmm. And the world is improving. The rate of uh, poverty is you know, halved and it's decreasing. Population, people are worried about overpopulation, but you know, it's slowing down. And now the problem is not overpopulation, it's underpopulation because there will be a population collapse. Uh, uh, you know, people are working on global warming. I mean, it's not perfect yet, but we're going through the right steps. Uh, people worry about uh, species dying, but species have been dying even before human beings came. So it's you know part of nature. So and I think saved a lot that could not have survived otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and we save a lot. A panda would never survive in the wild. Look at a panda, right? Look at the YouTube video of a panda. That that thing will die if you didn't save it, right? Yeah. We, I'm we need to it save it this much. Like God help a panda, bro. <laughs> like, like, unbelievable, unbelievable. I think panda so, is an absurdist. He believes in absurd philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. He's a he's a part of Confucianism because he's from uh, China. <laughs> I love. Gotta be culture appropriate with the philosophy. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. He's not racist. Yeah, he's yeah, both yeah. white and black, <laughs> and Chinese. And Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> and, anyways, uh, okay. So my main point is, okay, there's this book by a uh, I forgot the name, but it's called Factfulness. Factfulness. And uh, he's, he, the author is uh, Hans Rosling. He's one of the most famous uh, TED, uh, TED Talks, right? And uh, he talks about statistics. And what he realized is that he tested people on a lot of factors, such as, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is there equality in the world? Uh, it, it has poverty been solved? And you'll be surprised. The majority of the population is very pessimistic. The majority of the population is very pessimistic. They think that the poverty is still ongoing. Uh, they, I mean, it's still ongoing, but it's much less. They still think that there's a lot of diseases. They still, an average person who watches the news has a terribly skewed towards the negative about how the world is. Whereas the state of the world is actually improving very much improving. There's developments every year. I mean, right now, there's, there's drones in the air. I mean, come on, that's science fiction stuff, right? There's drones in the air. But, but people want drama. People want negativity. People want something that they can fight for. And the media knows this. So when you know, Trump left office, there's not, much, there's not much stuff. When Biden comes in, he doesn't say much controversial stuff. So like, oh, there's, there's, the media is always trying to find where is the chaos? Mm-hmm. And I think it's not the media's choice. It's the people's choice. Because when we read good news, we're like, the world can't be this perfect. There has to be something wrong. There has to be something bad. Similarly, when there's a new variant, right? Uh, Omicron, right? I mean, to be honest, we don't know much about it. But a lot of people are panicking. And the headlines is like, oh, Omicron, you know? The, the feeling that you read when you look at the news, it's like, oh, Omicron, you know, better be careful. The next thing is coming. People are like, oh. But I find it absurd that 
the world is such in an amazing state. Amazing state. Go, compared to 2,000 years ago. Come on. Amazing. And then you have people like, oh, 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 where is the world coming now? We're, we're, you know, we're definitely in the darkest ages. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're uh, in, in one of the best periods of human history. And I think if you have been reading the news, then I understand why you might feel the same way. Uh, I think there's such a thing called, uh, I think, availability bias, mm-hmm. where the bias is, I've read the news which means that I know everything that happens in the world. But there's a bias because most of the things that in the news is negative. You know, the news, the, every news in the world is like this. You, the news that people report to is this, which is usually negative. So if you've been feeding off that, then it, it might it make sense. But I, I, think, I think, you know, going back to the point, I think the point is we actively find challenges. We actively find something wrong. Maybe it's a trait to, you know, of human beings to be more innovative, but we, we actively try to find challenges and negativity that we can fight for. And if we are living in a society, if we, I'm just finishing up, but if we're living in a society where things are so good and there's not, not much negativity is present, we will become ever more sensitive to, uh, you know, ever more sensitive to negative things. So we, 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 try, to, we try to always find the fight. We, we're fighters. We try to find. And uh, yeah, if you I, may, I... Have, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the structure that you laid out, I think it's accurate. It's very accurate. But now I can't help but, you know, um, relate it back to Sisyphus because uh, this, was the, this was a thing in literature. And, you know, that's where Camus came in. He's like... You know, hey, you know, everyone is like, oh my God, Sisyphus is, you know, Sisyphus is given this punishment, and you know, Camus came and was like, guys, he's happy. You know, that that's like literally the scenario. So I think, you know, that's what what is happening. Like, you see something, and let's assume that it's neutral, right? You see a guy rolling a rock up the hill, and you know, he's repeating it, etc. So where majority of the philosophers, you know, they were saying this is suffering, this is eternally. You know, this is redundant, hence it's suffering, etc. Where the majority of the people were saying that Camus came in and he said, Oh, no, that's, you know, uh, he's happy. He loves to do that. You know, he, he's been playing with rocks since he was eight, you know, something like that. So the idea being like when, when people, it, I think it comes back to like psychological aspect that there are negative people and there are positive people. So we're looking at the same world, but there are, there's a kind of people who look at, at it and they're like, Oh, this is suffering. You know, they, they highlight the bad. And there's the kind of people who, who look at it and they're like, no, this is good. You know, Sisyphus is happy. So, you know, this, 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 this diversity exists. But what, what I'm, you know, more confused about now, what I, what I can't wrap my head around, and maybe because, you know, I, have, I want to read more of not only the original myth of Sisyphus by Camus, but more of like, what, what is the literature further done on it? Not only the Nietzschean philosophy, but you know, I th- like for for my personal uh, note, maybe uh, there's very little I've heard on Schopenhauer's idea about this, except that he was, you know, he he gave a basis of it. So the idea that I'm really, really trying to look into it that when you talk about a guy pushing up a rock and and you know coming down, and I understand that this is an oversimplified analogy for life, right? But you know, 
and, and the, the way from where this is coming is that I'm once again trying to connect the Hellenistic philosophy in it. So the scenario is, this is the guy he's pushing the rock up and down. And, Sisyphus, and uh, Camus says, this guy is happy, right? Assume mm. this is happy. When I looked at this oversimplified analogy in real life, I find a component missing, which is that what Sisyphus is doing is essential. You get me right? He's, he's surviving. That is essential. So mm-hmm. compared to modern world, that's like working, you know, going to office every single day. So what Camus is saying is that you must imagine or you must be happy in the job that you're doing. So your everyday task, what you're doing must be happy. But the practical problem that we face is pain and pleasure that, okay, this is, you know, part of my redundancy, but I am not Sisyphus. I have the choice to throw it out of the window. Maybe I'll earn less, maybe I'll earn shit, but, you know, I want to be a YouTuber. Mm. So, you know, th- th- this is something that I want to see, like in, in, in terms in, contradic- in, in terms of like pain and pleasure, had Sisyphus the choice, the problem that this analogy has is that it's very restricted, right? Sisyphus yeah, yeah. must do this. And we understand yeah. that in, in real life, it's also the same that we must survive, which means we must earn, right? But I, I want to see like, if possible, should we, should we do some, what makes us survive or should we do what makes us, you know, let's just say pleasure. I want to use the word happy because, you know, uh, the definition of happy is what then again would you say what makes us more alive what okay let's just say yeah pain and pleasure i think is a good criteria right so pain and pleasure your daily work that you are forced to do that is pain and Camus comes in and says no you must love it he's essentially saying you must you must feel pleasure in it but let's say you don't you know which is the case for i think most of the workers they don't they feel like work is you know work is a mess they don't want to work. On the flip side, they have the, you know, the ability of pleasure, pleasure. And we talked about how the whole premise of the advancements of the modern, uh, modern world were, is, is the fact that we want to reduce pain and maximize pleasure. So, you know, I think we, we talked about this, but I lost track that once again, if Sisyphus invents a machine that can roll the rock up and down. Now, what does he do now? He has time for doing things that, you know, are not painful, that are pleasurable. So, you know, he, he can actually do things that are, you know, fun or stuff. So will he lose the purpose of life? And that does, you know, evidently then that does that mean that the purpose or the meaning of life was this redundant task? I think this is... You can answer it in movies, right? You can see the movies. I mean, Thanos, when he won, what did he do? He, he finds another task. He goes for farming. Um, I'm not sure if... Do you watch What If? Yeah. Oh, when Ultron won, right? He feels lonely. And then he's like, oh, I'm gonna... Is this a spoiler for you? Have you watched till the end? I have, I have. He, he goes... Okay. <laughs> Overwatcher, right? Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna kill the watcher. New challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, When uh, ruin it for everyone watching the podcast. (laughs) Ah, spoiler alert! Uh, Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! But it's not. I mean, you have fun. You have fun watching. Mm -hmm. Anyways, 
I think when a challenge is done, we want to find a new challenge. I think this is not really a not really an unknown question because I think I know where we, it leads. We know what rich people do when they get what they want. We know what powerful people do when they get what they want. They, they find another challenge. They find another one. So, so it's like you're saying that if Sisyphus invents a machine that can roll the ball up and down, he will go and find another rock. To He'll find something else. He finds. I mean, he. I mean, he will be, be pleasure. You will be. Okay, if I'm looking down to your Hellenistic, the Hellenistic philosophy, right? I think it's some sort of pain to attain a, some sort of pleasure, mm-hmm. right? Because. What's our let's let's say, let's say every time the ball rolls up mm-hmm. at the top of the hill, there's this button. Let let's just say, it. and then once the ball touches the button, one grain of rice comes out, and then Sisyphus can eat, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then let's see, Sisyphus invents hundreds hundreds of these machines to roll hundreds of balls, mm-hmm. and then he he gets the rice. So. He goes through a lot of the effort making the second machine and the third machine. He goes to making a lot of effort, a lot of stress Mm -hmm. to get in the end more pleasure. But then, you know, this is the same story. Eventually, he'll have more rice than he wants. So the question is, if he makes another machine, again, the law of uh, deprecating uh, returns, right? Like it will reach a saturation point, right? It will reach a saturation point where you, he doesn't need that much rice. Mm-hmm. So he'll do the work, but the pleasure won't increase as much because it's already in abundance. Mm-hmm. Similar to if you really breathe really heavily, there's not more oxygen. You'll just get like, right? <laughs> right? So the que- next question is, what else does he need? Does he need chicken to go with the rice? So the next journey is try to find the chicken. And then it goes, it goes on infinitely, right? In, in, the, in the real world, we're living in an infinite world. There's infinite things that we can do, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's all about finding that next thing. But I, I think that's always the state of human being. You know, I've been thinking about this and I think that human beings is a duality of two things. It's... You want pain, but you also want pleasure. You want to destroy, but you also want to build. And we're not absolutes. We're not absolute destroyers, and we're not absolute builders. We're always true beings fighting between these two. So we, we, we destroy another country's buildings and build another one. And I, I think human beings are always a struggle between these two. Uh, we, we want to do things and then we want to relax. We're like waves in a way. We come and then we go. And I think that's, you know, it, the, we want conflict, but we want peace. We want peace, but we want conflict. We want good news, but we want bad news. We want the world to uh, be a good place, but at the same time, we want a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> we want to make peace with our friends, but sometimes we want to have a challenge to make the bond tighter. I, I think there's the bigger picture here of the complexity of human beings. That's so, that's so weird. It's so weird. It's, it's just, we don't know what we want. We don't know what it is. We don't know what we want because we're always fighting between ourselves, you know? 
that's another topic, but I, I just find it so interesting. Yeah, I think that this is right up the line because see that that's you know that's the, the let's just say that's the premise of the human civilization. You know, you find a challenge, you solve it, and then you move on. And you know, like let's just say that the entire task is the myth of Sisyphus: that find a challenge, solve it, right? and then you repeat it, maybe with a different challenge, but it's the same thing all over again, right? Now, what the, the the point where it becomes, you know, where the cause and effect ends is, you know, the thing that I'm interested in is that if there is a point of saturation where, like we discussed about the civilization uh, reaching a, a point where uh, you don't have to work at all. So you can actually achieve uh, maximum pleasure with zero pain. So will, will, will the purpose of human civilization become null? Because when we talk about Sisyphus and doing this all over again, we assume that that is the, the purpose of Sisyphus life. You know, yeah. meaning meaning is a different topic, you know, but the purpose is, you know, much more simpler that like, like our purpose is survival. Meaning is a different topic. What is the meaning of our life is, you know, what is the meaning of the subconsciousness? But the purpose is very crystal clear, survive. So similarly, the purpose is to, you know, survive and thrive. But the question is, again, that if it if it reaches to the point where you don't have to work at all, it, it, you've reached maximum pleasure with minimum pain. Do you still think, you know, that uh, the human beings will render purposeless? I, I, th I think so. Uh, I think human beings, I mean, my prediction is that human beings crave for something. They crave responsibility. So another discussion that we can talk about is, you know, Jordan Peterson, someone I, I, I've been following. He says that the purpose, the meaning lies in responsibility you know like if you have kids if you have a family to serve or you know if you have a job mm -hmm. the purpose of life is there that's the responsibility you know that, that's where the meaning is whereas if you don't have that it, you you go aimless you, we need a structure and human beings need a structure because we again we're chaotic we're two things we're, we're fighting we need a structure and a responsibility gives us that sort of like whatever i'm doing it aligns to that. That's my North Star. That's my purpose. So I think it, it, it does go there. So if, if I just connect, so do you think when Sisyphus, uh, when Camus talks about Sisyphus and this redundancy of task and the, the solution that you must actually love it and that, you know, if you love it, you'll be happy. So if you, you know, think about it, do you think it's actually, you know, it's actually Camus saying that you should love your responsibilities Hmm. Like if, if you're, I, I get what you mean. I think maybe not love your responsibilities. I personally wouldn't say that word based on my interpretation of what I read up on him. I would say at least know that your purpose comes from there. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we go into depression, right? We go into depression saying, like, what the, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this every day? But I think at least if you know, that that very thing that you're asking why you're doing it is actually giving you purpose. You know, giving you something to do. Giving you, you know, a, a salary that you can make food, you know, give, giving you a rock that you can push to the top of the hill. doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. The, it gives it some sort of meaning. Then you'll have a much more 
I guess a better understanding of life. I, I, I guess that's the whole point. The whole point is... It, it does boil down. I think it does boil down to the fact because we have this spectrum and uh, we, have, we have this spectrum, right? About So redundancy is the whole framework, right? Redundancy is the whole framework. But within that spectrum, we have pain and pleasure. So that, at least that's how I see it, you know? Uh, even though we are repeating the same day every, every day, but within that, that redundancy, the idea is you go through pain to get pleasure. You go through eight hours of work to get money, to get food. So you go through pain mm -hmm. to get pleasure. And we have discussed about, you know, all the dopamine and the effects that uh, if, you, if you don't go through pain, there is no pleasure. You know, I think it boils down to that, that if you get pleasure without the pain, it's no more pleasure. And if you get the pain without the pleasure, yeah. maybe it's not even pain anymore. So I yeah. think the, the purpose, you know, like you said, what makes us feel alive is actually this contrast between pain and pleasure. Like even when the Hellenistics people, they, yeah. they talk about minimizing pain and maximizing pleasure. They don't say zero pain. They say minimizing, you know, as the presumption being there that there will still be some amount of pain, but you just have to minimize it. So, you know, I like to see it this way. And, you know, that's what I mostly write uh, about when I talk about uh, the my personal theory of perfectionism, because I, I'm, I'm a believer of perfectionism. And uh, people often question because uh, perfectionism is virtually endless, right? So people often question like, you know, it's the same thing all over and again, what's the point? And I find it, you know, that, uh, and I often say this, that the point of perfectionism is, is chasing perfectionism but actually never getting it. Like that's what, what, what makes it perfect, right? You always have a North Star. You follow it and you reach to a point, but then, you know, when you're done resting, you look up again and it's, you know, moved further. So like the goal is not static. It's like, it keeps on moving. So, you know, we evolve, we, we, we get more complicated challenges and it keeps on going. But the only thing I'm concerned about is that in, in, in that process, we have created a society, especially, uh, you know, because of these technological advancements, we have created a society that maximizes pleasure, you know, I, I don't want to say maximizes, indulges in pleasure to the extent or, you know, with the presumption that you don't need pain at all. You know, at least that's how, you know, the modern guy is, you know, conditioned. He wants the pleasure without the pain. And I think that's, you know, the conditioning that just, you know, is, is wrong. Like you want the money, but you don't want to work. No, no, no. Let, let, let me give you two examples, okay? I think there are a lot of instances where you make things to have some sort of pain, as in to have some sort of effort. Let me give, give you an example. So uh, I, I used to work with uh, Ruben. Uh, you know Ruben, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he told me one thing. He, he used to, you know, uh, you know, uh, no, you know, he used to learn stocks. And what he realized is that there's this company, there's this company that uh, makes a, a powder, like baking powder or something, right? Mm -hmm. A special baking powder. Usually when you make a cake, right? The process, you get the powder, you get the, what is it? Flour, flour. You get the flour and then you mix it with an egg. Now here's a company, new company that says, you don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. The flour, you already mix it with the egg. So all you have to do is buy water. 
right? Okay. Uh, you buy water, you add it in, right? So no need to add the egg. The company didn't go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the company didn't go because people want to manually take the egg. People want to manually do the work. Wow, I find it so interesting. Another, another thing. Uh, you go to all these Korean shops, you know, uh, is it like, um, you know, you go to these restaurants in Brunei where you have cook, you cook, you cook there. <laughs> you, you, cook, in front, you can go to any other restaurant in Brunei and say, chef, make this for me, cook this for me, right? And the waitress will just put it in the plate. But you choose to go to this place and <laughs> they will give you the raw food and then you cook it for, I just find it, I mean, me personally, I don't like it. Because I, I, I tell all my relatives, you know, I don't like it because I have to do the extra work. But no, they go to the place and they want to cook it themselves. Why is that? So I think if you assume that everything is catered towards making no effort at all, mm-hmm. it's not exactly true. There are things in manual car. A manual car. Who would buy a manual car? But some guys... No, I want, to f- I want to work on the gears. I want to make sure I can go first gear, second gear. I'm like, why do you have to go to the extra work? But they want the extra work. So something about that, something about that makes... I mean, I, like, think, it, yeah, it, I think that's, you know, very interesting insight, but it just adds a more layer of complexity because this is how I see it. I see that humanity as a whole wants convenience like this is something very weird. Humanity as a whole, as a civilization, wants convenience, automation, but an individual does not. So something doesn't add up. You know, maybe it's just uh, some people blame it. I'm personally not a fan of doing this because it's very, sh- it's very shallow or it's very hollow. But some people say that it's just you know the mass industrialization and monopolization because factories benefit from a problem solution kind of scenario. Like business, that's how businesses work. But the individual does not really want that. But they, they create an illusion that that's what you want. You know, it's like the donkey with the carrot kind of thing. You know, he- uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, individual, right? In terms of individual, again, we want convenience, but sometimes we want to work. So, but going to, you know, industrialization, of course, we want things to be more efficient. We want things to be simpler. Mm-hmm. faster cheaper better yes of course that that has to exist but again looking back into i, I mean some some aspects of human life sometimes people still want to you know like overall we want things to be simpler and easier but there's just some things that like you see human beings do and you go like that that's that's weird and one of them is you know People are driving manual. People are driving the manual BMW M4, right? So you 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 do more work and you like ugly cars, right? <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like, I do think you know it's not just some things. It's it's I think it's it's everything. But we have just learned to ignore it or just you know let's just say that I'm an ebook kind of guy. You know I I'm like. It, it's just I read ebooks. I don't require I don't like physical books I literally don't and you know everybody people come in my face I'm like smell the book I'm like no I don't want <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> you're like, no, no, no. The book, you know, it, there's some pleasure in killing trees or something. You know, <laughs> they, <laughs> physical book. They want to go the extra effort. They want to have that weight. That you know, the 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 it's more expensive and everything, but uh, they want to do that. And I I like to see it at this way that I am conditioned. uh like this because i don't know maybe it's you know the, the era i am born in or something because these people are usually elder who tell me that you know physical book is more important or something so i i like to see that innately humans want let's just say they want i don't want to say they want pain because you know the the the, the way we are going with this to subtopics makes it seem like humans want pain but i feel like the the i think the yeah the, the proper equation will be that when you actually the more the pain the greater the reward you feel you know some something like that so yeah, like you were talking about the cake thing you pressing a button and a cake 3d prints it's you know it's pleasure without the pain so you know there was no dopamine effect there was no excitement it was you know you got the end product but it was not let's just say it was not worth it and that's how you are innately designed to work because uh and i want to talk about why you we are innately designed to work like that and is it wrong because here's the idea that we are innately designed to work because it's actually very difficult to say because why you know i know i understand that traditionally that was the only way you can achieve you know pleasure that you had to go through pain that originally you had to hunt down a tiger or a mammal just you know and you know put exert effort and run and everything so maybe it's just evolutionary vestigial it's you know we are hardwired to feel or to understand that we must have some sort of pain and that's what you know uh, gives us pleasure you know maybe it's that it's that evolutionary thing but then it really begs the question that is it is it even you know correct like for example i'm not a ebooks kind of i'm not a books kind of person i'm a ebooks kind of person but it's not wrong it's different or let's say i like to yeah. that that bankrupt company which uh, makes cake flour with the without the egg you know let's say i want to use that so and let's say that that becomes the standard so in a generation or two that will be the standard so you know i want to understand why uh, the the equation is like that that we need pleasure to understand uh, we need pain to understand pleasure why is that framework so um It's like, it's like, why is water wet, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think, I think we, you know, is water wet though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let's ask Nietzsche. Let's <laughs> let ask Albert Camus. <laughs> I need a PhD in philosophy to know. That's okay. another. That's another episode. Is water wet? That's another episode. Is water wet? <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. But, it, but it's like. Um, Oh, what we? Now we're thinking is water wet. What are we talking about? No, I, I, like I'll just reiterate my question. I want, I want, want yeah. more insight on why do we, are we humans programmed pl- like this? That pain and pleasure, pain and pleasure. We need pain to understand pleasure. You know what? I mean, Tell this me. might be wrong. This might be wrong. Okay. But sometimes. I'm happy that some people experience pain. That is very right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like uh, look at look at look at Van Gogh, right? 
he creates this the starry night amazing painting right mm-hmm. wow now now everyone in the world is like wow that's a nice painting would he have created it if he's not suffering i don't think so he painted that when he was in his mental uh, like asylum a mental asylum like, oh okay um would would niche niche or nichi nichi Talk about whatever he's talking about if he's not suffering. I actually wrote an article on that. You should read it. ST officials. <laughs> Shut up! Stop talking about your articles! <laughs> well, that is very interesting because Nietzsche went through a rejection and that's what makes him like so, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, uh, white supremacists would say, would Hitler uh, kill a lot of Jews? if he did not get okay, rejected from high school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, uh, but but uh, I saw a video from Jordan Peterson. It's about creativity. Mm-hmm. And it's this. He said something like, the people who create the best form of art, the creatives, usually have an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, when is creativity useful? When is creativity useful? Creativity is only useful when there's an obstacle. Okay. When we ask the question, what would Sisyphus do if he, you know, he he already solves that problem? So we have to be creative. You know, what are the ways around it? Oh, okay. The road is blocked. Okay, what are the different ways to go around the way? Okay, we can go this way, we can go this way. We, we have creativity arises and creativity flourishes in times of challenge, in terms of uh, uh, pain, in terms of you know, like suffering. When people suffer, very much creativity flourishes, mm-hmm. and then you see this amazing art, amazing poetry, amazing literature, uh, amazing movies. So that is how uh, you know yeah. you, you need you need pain in order to create some sort of beauty. You know, like I, I think yeah, there's I a, that that is like very evidently a fact. You know, we see that happening, and. You know, maybe it just connects. I don't know in what order, but it connects to the fact that that is why we are hardwired, evolutionarily speaking, to like pain, you know, because we know that, you know, this will result in more pleasure. You know, like, you know, if I make the cake with my, you know, with from scratch, when the final product is done, I will feel more satisfied than buying it off the shelf. But this is an evolutionary instinct, right? That's what I understand, at least. So, and, and we know from evident facts, like you just mentioned that it does inspire, pain does inspire art, right? It does inspire creativity. But I really want to understand more as in why. Why is that equation true? Like, what is your insight on this? Like, uh, let's say Van Gogh could have drawn that without getting mental, right? Without suffering from pain. So we would evidently choose that option. Like if we could, you know, we are in a, virtual reality simulator world or something and we could choose he gets mental he goes through the pain and then he draws that painting or you know he just learns and practice and draws you know so i think the logical answer would be to go through less pain to maximize pleasure but you know it just doesn't work it's it's i think it's inversely proportional i think it's directly proportional the more the pain the greater the pleasure right the greater the masterpiece is but this whole equation i just want to understand why is it true? What do you think? Like, why are these mm. connected? I, I find this interesting. You know, the answer lies at the ends. So we have the 
uh, bell curve, right? We have the normal distribution, right? I think the answer lies at the ends. I would like to know if I can make an experiment or if this experiment has been done. Mm -hmm. Our brains, we react to hormones, right? Pain, pleasure. There's a hormone for pain. There's a hormone for pleasure. Okay. Similarly, there's a receptor for pain and the receptor of, for pleasure. So if I can go to your brain, I can block the pain receptor. So you will never, uh, you will never experience pain ever again. So I go to a brain, pain receptor, crush it, right? So you will never experience pain, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think some hormones like morphine, they do this. There's this sort of mechanism that does that. Alternatively, I'll go to the uh, pleasure hormone and crush it, right? Now you'll never feel pleasure anywhere of your life. You suck your dick so many times, you'll never come, right? <laughs> so, so, okay. so I, I mean, so, how do these individuals work? Okay. Or I find people in society who's been living with these conditions already and see how they live. They'll be really interesting. So it'll be a qualitative study. It'll be a qualitative study where I go around in society and find these people who, you know, has problems perceiving pain, feeling pain and feeling pressure and seeing how they live. Do they do better in art or do they do worse? Are they drug addicts? You know, how do they? That'll be very interesting to see. Um, another, another thought experiment is Maybe there have been some humans that have felt less pain or less pleasure or more pain and more pleasure. It's just that something about that maybe demotivates them to do the work. Maybe, let's say, for example, right? Uh, I, I don't feel that much pain. I don't feel pain. If I hunt now, I feel pleasure. Let's say I'm a human being, right? If I hunt, I'll get food. Mm -hmm. But if I don't hunt, I don't feel pain. Right? So the suffering is not much. So there's no incentive for me to hunt. Therefore, I will hunt less. Therefore, I will get less food. Therefore, most likely, I'll die. Okay, that's one. That, and... and if you look at Darwin, right? Darwin takes him away because of natural selection. Human beings born like these will not survive because they will not even bother to hunt. Similar to the other extreme. A human being that has all the pain is like, he's like, wait, if I live, I experience all pain. There's no pleasure at all. I want to end it all. So I'll just kill myself. So again, Darwin takes him away. So what's left is the middle where we have the balance of people that is, they have pain, they have pleasure, and there's this, you know, again, the duality of a, of a man. So I, that's, that's my explanation. I, I don't know why, but that'll be very interesting to, you know, to find yeah, out. That, that is very interesting. At least now, you know, we know, we know more about, let's just say, my concern in such studies has always been that these, these things don't translate as well from science to philosophy. Because science looks at them as a very scientific thing, you know, like, okay, there's hormones and there's... Yeah. But you know what? The interesting thing, the interesting 
scientists and philosophers used to be the same people. It used to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go to a philosopher and he will be a scientist, right? Yeah, a scientist it, used be, is... well. it used to be, but I think, I think that's, that's the thing, right? Uh, philosophy is, you know, called the mother of all sciences, but, you know, that's where it diverges. That now science, science and I think technology is the main culprit because it, it became things that are more evident, you know. I think in classical philosophy, science is defined as extensions of our senses. So, you know, thinking, smelling, and these things, you know, technologies or tools or utilities that extend these senses became science or technology. But philosophy remained with more abstract ideas, right? And that's why I say now it differs because we, we are facing a conflict between these two, at least in this post-contemporary philosophical era. And this is why I'm, I'm like concerned about, even though we, we get this study and all, what, what I want to see is that, if, is, it is, it, is there anything, I don't want to use the word supernatural, but is there something more abstract than just evolutionary reasoning, right? So we understand that technically what happened was that you had to, the nature was designed in this way. The world was designed in this way that you had to feel some sort of pain and then that would give you pleasure, right? You had to hunt, you had to, you know, do, you know, at least uh, hunting is one example, but in all sorts of uh, things, you had to do some sort of things that brought you pain, that result, and then only you could get pleasure. And this has continued for so many thousands of years that, you know, it has become hardwired. What I want to know is that, is it just a hardwired memory? Is that the only reason that, you know, uh, pain is associated with pleasure or is it something more innate? Is it something more, um, you know, something that is more not, not because of evolutionary circumstances. And one way to look at it is to see that those, those areas that let's say those areas, which were providing pain previously that have been completely eliminated due to technology. Do we still feel that we, oh, we need that pain actually. Like if I had to narrow it down, it would be something like, let's just say um, walking is walking a good example because now we have cars, right? So you don't have to walk a lot. So still, you know, you can argue that, oh, people like to walk. They go on walks, they go on treadmills and stuff. But I'm saying like, let's say for centuries, we get segues and everything and everyone starts using devices. Will, you know, we still want to, you know, walk. Will we still want pain if, if that was, you know, not an option. So the reason I'm differentiating it is because I believe that it's just an evolutionary hardwiring and it's not innately required either for our survival or for our thriver. Okay, let's, let's have a, here's, here's a hole in your argument. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think it was designed for us to survive, right? So it's uh, like, uh, it, so it was designed for us to survive. Although in the end, even in conditions where we survive, it's unnecessary. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, I said, like, if in the future we have segways, um, you know, we, we will still will we still want to walk? I mean. That's it. I mean, which part of your... I actually got one example. I was thinking and I couldn't get yeah. it. There was a time and, you know, 
maybe a biologist can challenge me and somebody evolutionary expert but i'm pretty sure there was a time where we used to climb you know where we used to hang to trees and stuff i don't think so we like to do that nowadays and if we you know we are forced to do that that's just pain and that actually you know that actually gives me a very solid uh, point maybe that was what was missing if a certain pain is removed if 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 the if the resulting pleasure is removed then that pain renders useless like maybe we used to we used to hang to branches to find food or to you know save ourselves from other predators predators yeah so, but now we don't need that you know now hanging to branches has no useful output so because yeah, usually, pleasure yeah. is eliminated the pain is also useless now what do you think you mean the pleasure of climbing trees no because the ple- the pleasure being the fact that you know advantage that we let's say we used to hang to find bananas in the tree you know let's assume but now we don't need to do that you know we don't need to do that so since the pleasure part is gone hence we don't like that pain part anymore either we don't like climbing to trees because we have evolutionary now grown to understand that we don't need to climb trees to get food so since you know the point being that where the when the pleasure is removed that you are no more getting food from the trees hence the uh, hence the pain is also removed you know that pain is no more we don't like that pain anymore because it does not result in pleasure you mean pain of climbing tree yeah I mean, I'm pretty sure when we used to climb the trees when we were like half primates or something, we, you know, I'm not going to say we liked it. It was still, but it was, you know, very normal. And one would argue that was, you know, as useful or as important as walking today. You know? Yeah, in fact, in fact, uh, babies uh, have a very strong grip. Right now, if you, if you, if, 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 child, so he, here's some things that babies do much better than adults. So two things. Number one, Uh, when the kid is born they can actually swim they can instinctually swim because you know of the they're in the amniotic fluid the belly, they swim in there so when they're born they kn- they'll know how to swim so that's very interesting right another thing is uh, their grip so mm-hmm. if you let a baby just grip the the the, the amount of weight that they can sustain mm-hmm. is it, like the, the grip so so people think that it's a residual of you know like Uh, you know monkeys they, they can grip really well yeah. but uh, as human beings we 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 lose that because you know like we we don't need to grip anymore yeah, uh, exactly. but I, I, so, you know when you say you don't need to grip anymore so that means that you know the pleasure part is removed that is not needed you know it is not resulting in you getting food and hence we don't like it anymore you know we do, you don't want to do it anymore so my point was that if the pleasure part is removed we don't like that pain and that just you know that just gives support to the fact that whatever pain we all we like is just evolutionary vestigial or it still uh, it still results in pleasure so that means you know the same examples that we give about uh, baking from scratch resulting in satisfaction my understanding and belief is that this is also a let's just say evolutionary leftover and you know as time passes 
as we understand, as you know, it becomes hardcore in our DNA that you don't need to do that to actually get the final product. That part of pain will be, you know, useless. We don't want to do that. I mean, I'm pretty sure there were more steps involved in cooking at some point in, you know, time. People used yeah. to do, you know, way more, let's just say they used to, you know, I don't know, it's called wheat or corn, but they used to, you know, by hand, they used to buy the raw material, the barley and stuff, and they used to do that. But now that we have learned that uh, we don't we don't need to do that. So that part of pain is completely useless and we hate it. But in the previous uh, times, that would be, a, I won't say a likable pain, but a bearable pain because it results in pleasure. So are you saying that whenever something gives us pleasure, it can also give us pain? Uh, that part I don't actually get. I mean, it, it can mean? work both ways. It can work both ways, right? That's what I'm saying. The connection is so, it's so intact that it can work both ways. So you can, if, if something, if pain gives you pleasure, then because pleasure is the end goal. So you like that pain because your brain indirectly associates it uh. with that pleasure. But uh. if that pleasure is removed, you will not like that pain anymore. Uh, can you give an example? Can you give an example? Like, you know, the, the same example, like the monkeys. Like we, we used to climb trees and, you know, it takes okay. pain, it takes pain. But okay, we okay. knew that we need to climb trees to survive. Okay. And so there was a pleasure associated with pain. The pleasure being, let's say you get food. Okay, 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 okay. So now that we don't need, we don't, let's just say we don't get food from climbing to trees. But, but I, if I go to, I like, just last week, there's this banana, mm-hmm. right? And my grandma's like, grab that banana. I grabbed the banana from the but tree and I ate that. Was it an okay, like, would you, would, when you climbed it, when you climbed that tree to get that banana, did you feel pain or was it normal? Uh, tired, right? Tired. Like I have to do some, you know, muscle work. Exactly. You know, but but my my understanding is that when we used to do that, as you know, primate, as you know, part of whatever. So, so you think? It, so you think right now, right? Mm-hmm. So you think it's like, oh, I feel some sort of pain. You think that long time ago, I would feel even more orgasmic if I climb the tree. Let's just say you would not feel pain. It would become a normal part of your routine. So you're saying, I mean, uh, I'm trying to understand. Mm-hmm. If I'm a monkey, mm-hmm. when I climb the tree, yeah. I would not feel pain. Yeah. Do you think monkeys feel pain when they climb trees? I mean, they'll feel tired, right? They'll feel tired. That's just like if, if it's a lot. I mean, do we feel pain when we walk? We feel more tired than if we're lying on the couch. Okay, but yeah, that relates because lying on the couch results in a greater pleasure than walking. Mm, mm. So that was the point, right? That pleasure and pain are associated together. And if the pleasure component is removed, then that pain does not become bearable anymore. That is why I'm, I'm saying that if uh, we, we find like segways or machines that 
you know, help us move around all the time, then walking will be a pain and that won't be needed. So it just contradicts mm. with all those ideas about, you know, why we need like things like, let's just say, gym. I think this question is most of us like behavioral, you know, leaning towards more behavioral sciences, you know, like what would happen if, you know, we don't have pain, we don't have pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think there's, so like philosophy goes into that, you know, this part of philosophy goes to that direction in which we talk about behavior, behavior psychology, you know, organizational psychology. How do, how do people behave in these instances? Because we're asking the question, right? What would happen if we, there's no pain and pleasure? Uh, I, think, I, I think the answer would be there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that will be a very interesting point. I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at Superman, right? Evidently find the answer. We need like a research, right? Like a scientific research. Mm. But I think just to project from, from where we have already come to now, like this is something that always fascinated me. Uh, historically, at least in the Asian part of the world, people used to sleep on floors, right? And, you know, that was very common. Mm. So now when you see, like, even like you, you don't have to go really far back. You see, like, maybe your parents or your grandparents, like three generations behind, they have way better, let's just say, back posture and everything, right? But for us, like, if we have to sit down, we have to like, oh, our backs hurt. Because, you know, a, a layman would explain it in a way that, oh, it's just because we have never practiced those muscles. But I think the more philosophical idea is we have not practiced those muscles and practice means putting them through pain every day until it becomes immune, which is, you know, the, the idea that I was referring to, that you, you are okay with doing that sort of pain because it leads to a pleasure. And if it does not lead to a pleasure, I highly suspect it will not, you know, you, you'll not be able to cop up with that pain anymore. Like similar to how Sisyphus, you know, nobody questions how he's able to do it for an eternity. And I think it's, it's mainly because he knows that's the only survival. That's the way he needs to survive. So if he knew that there was another way to survive, he does not need to roll that, uh, that rock up the hill to survive. He would go for it. That, you know, that's how I understand it at least. I don't know if this relates to pain or suffering or the topic that we're talking about, mm-hmm. but here's my example. I was listening to a podcast of one of the astronauts that flew to NASA. Okay. And if we just go back to look at WALL-E, we see that these human beings in chairs, right, in WALL-E, they're fat. Mm-hmm. They're, they, they don't have bone densities. Okay. This is actually quite scientific. The human body is actually uh, uh, well adapted to the environment. If you uh, go to space, what they found out is that every day you lose 0.3% of your uh, bone density. 0.3%. I think think that's the value. Uh, I might be wrong. But 0.3%. So this astronaut, he, he was telling the podcast that I remember going back, like almost one year on space, right? Going back to Earth and then remember uh, lifting a pen and it feels like a dumbbell. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, it feels like a dumbbell. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And in order to counteract that, uh, in order to counteract this loss of bone density, you have to work out in space. Here's the, here's, here's the interesting part. Why did we lose the density in the first place? Why did they, they lose the bone in the first place? It turns out, in order to continuously form bone tissue, bones, maintain that bone density, the body has to be stimulated by weight. And you can only have weight if there's gravity. So right now we're on Earth, right? Every single person on Earth right now, even if they're not doing anything, even they're, if they're bedridden, they're bound by the force of gravity. And just that force of gravity alone is enough stress and enough stimulation for our body to say, hey, make this bone density this much. So the bone density, you know, you always fight against that gravity. Mm -hmm. So bone density, you know, stays consistent. Once you're up there, there's no gravity. There's no weight. So because of that, the brain's like, wait, we, we, we don't have gravity here. You know, we don't need that much bone density. Okay. We, we don't need to produce that much. Okay. So something along the lines of we, we ourselves have to do work in order to maintain our physical shape. And, and to put it further, to put it further, nowadays, astronauts every day, they have to do deadlifts. They have to do exercise every day on Earth, uh, on, on, on the space station with no gravity. They have to do those exercises every day in order to maintain the bone density that everyone on Earth takes for granted. But here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. You know, here's the context. Uh, they do that. They do that extra work to remain suitable for Earth. But let's say, you know, we, we start a civilization on moon. We wouldn't need to do that. Our bone densities and all sorts of physical changes would come in our body. You know, I think this, yeah. the gravity is more or less, and that affects your height a lot. You know, I think it's less. I think it's six. We have 9.8 here. That's six Newton something, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so we have 9.8 here, right? But on moon, I think it's less than Earth. So which causes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which causes divide by 10, yeah. Which causes them to, I think, increase their height or something because the, the body is not being pushed enough by the gravity. So like the point is, like if, if you really look at it as a philosophical way, the point is that your body automatically is adjusting the amount of pain that it needs, you know? So it's like, you know, I think it just connects back to the point that if, if there is this pain and there is no pleasure in return, then we discard that pain. You know, you, you follow me, right? So like, if, if your body has, your body does not need to have a force of 9.8 Newton exerted on it. You don't need to feel that pain ever again in your life. You know, that's at least what your body assumes when you're on moon. Like, oh, I don't need to be exerted 9.8 Newton. So what I will do, I will adjust back, you know, I will, you know, it, it grows longer. And, you know, scientifically it's happening because of a phenomenon, like in more scientific terms that it is happening because, because, because. But philosophically, it's like the abstract idea is that, you know, everything is just adjusting to ratio the pain and pleasure. Okay, so here's, here's my thing. I think we're trying to find too much meaning in pain and pleasure, right? Now, 
I think there's two characters in this. One is Mother Nature and one is human beings. Okay? Now, Mother Nature puts in pain and pleasure, you know, because like, imagine if you're drunk, right? Or you just woke up, right? You, you, you're on your lizard brain. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do whatever is giving me pain, giving me pleasure, uh, like, um, right? So, your body still works even though you're in that state because you have this, you know, mechanism, right? So, Mother Nature puts pain in pleasure in order to maximize your, um, your survival, mm-hmm. right? Have pleasure when you eat that food. Uh, have fear or have pain when you eat bad food, mm-hmm. right? Mother Nature has her own agenda. But human beings have our own agenda, right? When we experience pain and pleasure, sometimes it's not necessarily survival. Sometimes it's something more complex. And it was, how does it apply to the human, uh, you know, common man? You know, is this, is this a useful conversation or are we going too far into complete ab- useless abstractism, abstraction? I do believe that it, it does. It does. The reason it's very abstract is because we need solid scientific evidences to understand if that's true or not. Yeah. But I think we've come to a point in the conversation where it's so out of our expertise or the things that we read that we, we no, can't, yeah. we're just floating. We're just floating. We, we can't, go, like compared to the previous conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's examples that we can use. Yeah. But this one is like, you know, I, I, need, I need the studies, you know? It's just very difficult to say, but, you know, I do, I do, I do still believe that um, if, if, if human beings uh, re, restructure themselves, and this is very controversial because the traditional idea is like, hey, you know, you know, you need to stick to the practices that were traditional, right? So, you know, you should walk, it keeps you fit, et cetera, et cetera. But I disagree. I say, you know, the, the equation is, you know, the, now this is an eternal equation, which is that pain and pleasure must be in, you know, proportional ratios, right? So when the, whenever there is problem, what, what is basically happening is that pain and pleasure are not in the right ratio, right? So for example, you hear, you know, you should go to the gym. Why? Because the pleasure that you are getting, food, rest, etc., etc., does not equal to the amount of pain that you are getting, which is walking, etc. Right. So you go and do the extra pain also. So it balances out. Right. So that, that, that is like what I believe the overall equation is that the pain and pleasure, when, if they, if they are in the equal ratios, then, you know, we, we are good. And once again, this is my, I would say, this is my complaint towards the modern, uh, modern, I, I don't want to say industrialization, but you know, the current, the current, more monopolization where the industry is going is like they they do they they promote and sell pleasure without any remorse of is there enough pain to balance it out right so you know there's there's, there's so mm. much food etc etc but there is no practical slash possible way to keep in check that is is there enough pain in society to keep it balanced also and for now i think uh, the responsibility falls on the individual person's shoulder that, you know, they need to check themselves that if I'm eating this much, am I also walking this much, you know, that the general yeah. idea to actually, and uh, I, I, I'm really, really interested to see if 
you know, people have concluded this, if people have concluded this in the Hellenistic philosophies, because generally Hellenistic philosophies are taken way out of proportion and they talk about, you know, when, because the idea is maximize pleasure and minimize pain. But I disagree. I say, no, they should be very proportionally balanced and not like zero and hundred, you know, the least amount of pain should not result in the maximum amount of pleasure. That's, you know, just an imbalanced equation. The amount of pleasure and pain must be, you know, equal or at least proportional. Yeah. It's like, would you hike Everest right now? You say, no, uh, you know, that the pain is too much, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pain is too much and there won't be much pleasure. But if you say, can you, can you climb up those flight of stairs? Okay, I can. Can you climb up Bukit Sai, you know? Oh, maybe you can. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually, eventually. If there's some person who's like, you know, an aspiring hiker and he wants to set a world record to climb Mount Everest because the pleasure is so, you know, the pleasure is on par to the pain. Like if I do, if I do dare climb Mount Everest, if I do dare accept that pain, the result will also be, you know, equal pleasure. So I think if the equation is imbalanced, it brings chaos. Why do people, let's say you, mm-hmm. you the you took up the role to become, you know, UBD Toastmasters president. It'll come with a lot of pain. You have to deal with a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot people. People brings pain. People brings problems. People brings challenges. But you took it up. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Is it so that you? So I assume it's because, despite the pain, you get a lot of experiences. It improves your job prospects in the future. So there'll be a lot of pleasure mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, I think like generally the idea can be applied to any, let's just say coaching or mentoring kind of area, right? Or like, you know, education, you study and you know, you have assignments and it's, you know, it's pain, but you know, oh, this will give me good job. This will give me, you know, uh, all sorts of pleasure, you know, in, 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 in the most positive and productive sense, because it's education. So we understand that, you know, the pain and pleasure are equal. So like one, one can argue, let's just say that, you know, I, I'm just, for the sake of argument, there is a degree, there is a degree in some field, maybe on, on how to, I don't know, some absurd field, you know, some field that will not guarantee you enough jobs, say philosophy. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so now you can say that, why is this a wrong decision? Because the pain and pleasure are not proportional. There's so much pain. You're spending yeah. years of your life, education fee, rent fee, and you know, stress and mental, you know, everything. But the pleasure is not that much. At the end of the day, you're not getting job. You, you know, just there's literally nothing happening. That no, not enough amount of pleasure happening to balance out that pain. Yeah, you know, it's a risk as analysis. That, that the equation must remain very, very proportional. Yeah, you manage the risk, right? As an undergraduate, you have to measure what type of pain that you're willing to undertake for what type of pleasure. And it's a risk, risk, risk cost analysis, right? Mm-hmm. You identify what are the risks, what is the cost, what is the benefit they can uh, gain from it. Uh, but I think if you were linking this back to meaning, I don't think, uh, I mean, does, does it relate to meaning? Maybe not. Uh, let's say, for example, right, recently there's been shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say let's say the killer finds pleasure in it. He finds pleasure in it. So 
is it not right or is it wrong? So I, I think maybe if we talk about that, maybe that's too steering too far. Maybe we'll talk about morality. But I, I'm yeah, like... I think, uh, so I think, you know, because this topic is so huge. Uh, and my idea is that I would like to expand over series of weekly podcast episodes, the entire, at least, you know, what our understanding is of existential philosophy, the entire sub subject that discusses all, all, all components of existence and questioning existence, right? So I'm trying to cover that all in the series of podcasts. So for this, you know, episode, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, uh, we discussed like a whole variety of what happened was we wanted to discuss meaning, but along the premise, we understood that meaning and purpose are separate things, right? Purpose is what, I, what do I have to do? And meaning is yeah. why do I have to do that? Right. So I think, you know, um, for now, the purpose is is the conversation that we had and we discussed the hedonistic ideas. And I believe that redundancy remains the purpose, redundancy of actions. If you have to become, you know, very practical and day to day life advices. Yes, I think Dr. Peterson's advice on responsibility being the key to your to the purpose of what your redundancy or redundant life should be remains quite quite practical but the idea of purpose rather than uh, the idea of meaning rather than purpose is i think far bigger than this and that we would like to you know cover in coming upcoming episodes so i think for for now the purpose this this entire conversation about the purpose is i think yeah that's it